Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, a market that saw a lot of negativity moving into this trade. We're going to dive into why we saw the drop like we did in the soybeans and the corn. And no surprise, the wheat complex also had its negative feel. But how often do we have negative all the way across on the livestock side as well? Usually there's a little bit of green when the grains are negative. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more factors into this week's trade joining us sam hudson sam of course with corn belt marketing and sam before we started the program you made a statement to me and i think it has been the best spot on statement when you look at for example crops in nebraska and in a few other states as well that these crops look like swiss cheese and and i think it's a perfect way to describe what's going on right now as we look at the the 22nd of august yeah it is and i think uh you know you're going to get a little bit of definition from that i think from uh from some of these crop tours that are going going through, but I don't. I think what it's all going to add up to is these combines are going to have to tell the story. I, I, I do have a personal conviction that we could still see you know, yields, uh, you know, potentially uh, you know nipped you know further, and, and I think the heat is doing it as well. But does it matter or not? You know, I, I think trying to put our finger on it is is, is kind of nebulous, and unfortunately, you know, if we have to wait two or three months here to really figure that out, in the meantime, we're still behind on our demand paces. And whether we argue a bean yield is, you know, 51 or 49 or a corn yield is 175 or 170, uh, you know, we're going to harvest that, these crops, you know, the next 45 to 60 days. And, and, and someone's going to have to store them until December uh, and, and figure out what our export program looks like. So I think that's, uh, you know, the dilemma from a marketing standpoint. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's still, you know, kind of food for thought along the way about what is and isn't possible. So looking at that, I mean, how much how much has Chicago truly paid attention to what's going on in these crops in the in the Western Corn Belt, for example? Well, I think the, the challenge the West has is it was so bad last year, you know, and we've seen kind of a leveling off in general. We had to be so good here in Illinois and parts of Iowa, Indiana, the Central Corn Belt in general last year to offset a lot of those. But when you look at it, you know, if we have a lot more mediocre crops, you know, we got 11 million acres here in, in Illinois of corn. Um, it's just a lot more area where if you have a mediocre crop, the good areas can't offset it. Now you guys have to be that much better to offset some of that. And I think when you have that Swiss cheese effect, that mediocrity everywhere, uh, that is really difficult to push national averages. And, and we're still not talking about any sort of disaster here. I would not, uh, you know, even venture to claim that. I think that's what markets have reflected. I think we were on the edge of that as you went into, uh, you know, that midsummer timeframe before we finally got rains in July. Uh, and I think that really saved things. And at this point, even if we're taking it off, you know, this week with the heat, unless you have some, uh, you know, big weather event like a derecho or something like that, it's going to be hard to argue uh, a real dramatic, you know, change from where we're at today and with demand behind. You know, again, that just kind of puts us in a, in a stream where we're, we're rowing, uh, we're rowing upstream. I thought it was interesting, too, when you look at the weekly crop progress report, and we had states, you know, like South Dakota and and southern Minnesota and a few others that saw just a slight percentage back by not much. I guess Kansas was included in that as well. But then you look at Illinois, Nebraska, and even Iowa seeing some, some gains when it came to the excellent category for corn. Right. Yep. Yep. We see some, uh, you know, some of these fringe areas that lost it. And, and what you, if you look a little closer, I mean, really, I think it's uh, defined on where, you know, who got a lot of rain and who didn't. And, you know, who's carrying a lot of moisture into this. I think even if you're carrying moisture into heat like this, it's still going to speed up the maturation of the plant. You can't slow that down, and that's usually never good. Uh, but anyone who is deficit on rainfall, I think we're going to see that. 
uh, you know, in stark contrast here next week. I, I think that's what good delinquent ratings are, are going to be looking for. Uh, even locally here, where you know the you know the areas that were really struggling before we got those rains in July, they're starting to show back up again with this heat. Uh, you know, you got spots in the field that aren't really dying consistently, and this is where you're going to start to see disease as well. Uh, corn and beans both. We're starting to get word of uh, you know plenty of sudden death and some white mold out there, and that all contributes to you know what we have for final numbers. But once again, you know, we I think we need to get a little bit more rolling on demand. Uh, in a story, talk, you know, get a story uh, about that before we can get you know, concerned about carryouts and stocks to usage in general. So as you look at the way the markets reacted today and, and moved into the negativity, anything that really kind of stuck out to you from the beginning of the opening of the day trade that thought, yep, this is definitely going to set our tone? You know, I continue to look at, you know, watch the spreads in, in situations like this where you don't have a lot of, you know, fresh fodder. Uh, volume open interest has still been really low, too, in corn and soybeans, and that is going to start to change. We've seen that change in the wheat market already on the heels of U.S. harvest. Uh, I think as you get into mid-late September, that's going to start to change for corn just with some harvest volume. And so it's I think you're going to see a little bit uh, less of this fickle trade that we've been seeing, but I think we got to wait maybe another 30 days before that starts to happen. I think what I'm noticing now is, you know, look at the D-March corn spread. I think people are starting to try to, you know, figure out what they want to carry forward, what they don't want to carry forward. And my presumption at this point is you're going to see farmers really err on, on selling soybeans out of the field if they can get $13 cash or better uh, compared to, you know, 450 corn. I, I just think from a revenue standpoint, it's going to make more sense. And uh, most people don't like to, to store those beans. And so, you know, watch, uh, you know, cash carry, watch basis. Uh, we've got a pretty dry central U.S. river system and some hurricanes spinning out there. And so uh, all this could filter into that cash market pretty quickly as you go, you know, between now and just even Halloween. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually, um, this morning while I was eating my breakfast watching the national news, and they brought up the Panama Canal. And they were talking about how dry <laughs> it is in the Panama Canal. And they were kind of explaining you know, the process of moving goods, including grain, is going to be a big concern. Yeah, and, and you know, I will tell you, Central Illinois here, we were so dry in May and June, and that is what really started this problem, if we're going to have one. Uh, we got about 10 inches of rain through here in the month of July, though, and so from a crop standpoint, great timing, uh, but, you know, we haven't even begun to really fill up all the tributaries, and you need to do that first before you can keep a river at level. And so, uh, you know, even just this week, I think yesterday, they started lowering draft levels again when you can't make corners and you're loading barges at, uh, you know, potentially 50 to 60, 70 percent of normal. Um, you know, you have freight go through the roof and, and basis, you know, weakens. And so that uh, we've seen that happen in the past and the risks that associated with it, and I think it's something to keep an eye on depending on where you're located. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to look at when we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Tuesday. We'll kind of look at where we're at demand for crops this fall. You know, you just heard Sam mention about uh, selling the beans versus throwing them in the bin. But what other factors are we going to see working into? And I'm sure that we're going to still see some issues with the Black Sea region maybe working into how we move some of this grain movement. More is coming up. The Fontenelle Final Bell is right here on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. 
here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, is with Corn Belt Marketing. I got to pick up on where we were talking when we went to break, and you were talking about the Panama Canal. Obviously, that made me think of the Mississippi River. Do you see or have you heard chatter of some concerns, what might mean some grain movement down the Mississippi uh, to the Gulf like we usually see come fall harvest? Yeah, no, I, I, mentioned, I think uh, when you look at the forecast here for the central U.S., it's just like a giant, uh, you know, bullet hole where you don't get a whole lot. You know, you're going to have these hurricanes sucking a lot of energy uh, off the West Coast. We saw Hillary move through. We got stuff going on in the Gulf that's going to bring in heavy downpours and, and even flooding the parts of Texas. And so, you know, when we're left out of that, uh, not only do we have a risk of potentially some of those storms spinning up and, and just disrupting travel altogether or potentially taking a port out, we've seen that too. Uh, but if we don't see any rain in the forecast here, in central, central Illinois, I mean, it's up and down the river systems, then I think that's definitely going to eventually weigh on basis. I don't know how much it'll affect that processor market. I think the processors are still going to need to get their fill, but uh, obviously it, it, it's a wholesome market. And so if your export market falls out, uh, they don't have to chase that as much. And, and I think that's definitely a, a bigger risk for beans. And then potentially if you get, get them out of the farmer's hands, uh, we have any problems this winter with, with South America and we end up with a yield here in the U.S. around 50 bushel or even under, uh, that leaves us real sensitive, and I think that could still provide some marketing opportunities late. Um, if you build cash carrying beans, it might be something to think about you know, delivering them in December, January versus corn. You know, it, uh, it could be a long winter there if you don't have any production problems in the southern hemisphere. So I know China has had, had their issues as of late, but they're still doing a lot of bean purchases um, coming out of South America. Could they possibly curve their changes, or are we just outpricing ourselves in the market? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both there. You know, they've bought so much from South America on the front end, and rightfully so. When you can get it at such a discount compared to somebody else, why wouldn't you? I mean, uh, you know, anytime a consumer can get something cheaper for the same quality, they typically hop at that. And uh, that's essentially what they've been doing. Now, the fact that they know they can't get 100% of of their needs there, the fact that loadings in general are tough. I mean, you you can only load so much in these South American ports as well. They know they're going to have to get something from the U.S. They don't want to put all their eggs in one basket, buy nothing from us, and then end up stuck if there's a production problem in South America next year. And so... Uh, I think you're going to continue to see these flash sales be a, a more of a regular occurrence. But unfortunately, you know, when you look at our pace here so far, especially for corn, we need to catch up a lot. I think in soybeans, it's possible to catch up by the end of the year and put us in that tight situation. But for corn, you know, my concern is by the time we can catch up, it might be next spring and we'll all be already be looking at, uh, you know, not only another South American crop, but potentially one here in the U.S. again as well. So let's jump over to the livestock side. We know it's hot, not just in in the Western Corn Belt. I mean, this is a big stretch. Are the markets, Chicago, kind of paying attention to what's going on and how it's Mm -hmm. going to affect the cattle, even though we saw the negativity in the trade today? You know, not really. I think, you know, we got a cattle and feed report that didn't really, you know, provide a whole lot of new fodder. I think it, uh, you know, probably told people what they generally expected to see. And the cash markets have been a little bit, a little more, more lazy. Now, when I say that, it's still trading at a premium to, you know, where August futures are. And we've continued to see that spread remain pretty firm. I have to believe at some point here we're going to continue to see that work higher here under expiration if the prices don't. Um, you know, I've been hearing, you know, about some pretty rough conditions here this week, you know, with uh, these really high dew points and, and lack of breeze. So hopefully, you know, death loss isn't a, a big theme here or problem. Um, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem, it, it seems like we've priced so much into the marketplace and we already know we're tight. This is only going to exasperate the situation a little bit more. So now, you know, with that being said, long term, you got the, you know, 
more feet available here out west than we had um, you know, last year, more readily available. I don't think it's going to have to drive corn basis up as high as what we saw last year. And I think that's going to entice people to uh, you know, potentially you know, keep, keep those cattle around and, and see what they can get for price as we go into next year and continue this, this whole uh, you know, saga. And, and from the economic standpoint, we've made it this far. We'll see how long that can last and if it can you know, push past the holidays uh, as we get into the fourth quarter. Waiting on cash, is that going to be the theme of this week? I think it has to be. I mean, when you look at how we performed so far this week, the fact that we're hot this week, I think they're going to wait on it and see what happens, and you know, maybe that will help facilitate that spread jumping next week. What about for the hogs? What kind of give you a feel on that market? Oh, lean hog index, I think, here at the end of July, maybe made a short-term top. If that works down to 85 or 90, it's going to be really hard uh, to get that December contract excited. I think when you look at you know timing and supplies, I think that's probably where the biggest concern is with the fourth quarter. And so any sharp rallies here over the next couple months, I think, need to be respected. Uh, I would certainly look at that October contract for potential opportunities on breaks here. If you can't keep that down, it almost feels like that spread, if it corrects, is going to be a buying opportunity before it goes off the board. So I think our export market's been you know, steady and stable there, and I don't see that going away at least anytime soon. Uh, and I think it's going to be more about production and the pace of that. Lots of great stuff today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or cornbeltmarketing.com. All right. Thanks so much. Sam Hudson's been joining us today as we dive into the ins and outs of this Wednesday trade in the marketplace. Of course, you can find out more details through our website at ruralradionetwork.com. And as we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's been brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or even better yet, wherever you subscribe to those free podcasts. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.